This is episode number 212, How to Find Your Purpose with Misty Sansom. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. When we are searching for purpose, if we don't understand what it is or what it means, we usually will look to a job or an occupation, or we'll usually look to a hobby or an interest or something that we're really passionate about. So it might be that I'm really passionate about writing, so maybe I should be a writer. But your purpose is so much bigger than that. Your purpose is this overarching theme of your life. And perhaps being a writer is how you bring your purpose to life, but it's not the purpose itself. This can apply to anything. Thanks for hanging out with us today on the podcast. And to those of you who have been listening and subscribing and sharing the show with your friends, we really appreciate it. And we are really glad that you're here. I'm really excited about today's guest and topic. It's about finding your purpose. How many times have we heard someone utter those words? You have to find your purpose or I can't figure out what my purpose is. The idea of purpose is huge and intimidating. It's open-ended and it sometimes feels overwhelming because it sounds definitive or it just sounds like it's something that's going to be so hard to actually nail down. And, and what if you change your mind? Well, Misty Sansom has spent years dedicating herself to helping others find their purpose as a life purpose coach so that they can feel more fulfilled in their lives. In this episode, we talked about how you can find your purpose and surprisingly how your purpose doesn't have to be your job. And alternatively, Misty does help people turn their purpose into their job if that makes sense for them. The bottom line is that you can uncover your purpose and you can do it alongside your job. And sometimes you can turn it into your job. We talked about some of the landmines that can happen if you do start monetizing your hobbies, because that can happen too. We talked about burnout. We talked about some deeper subjects like being honest with yourself, overcoming the fear of saying what you actually want and mean. And we also talked about how developing intuition is key to uncovering your purpose. I think the quote that you heard in the beginning is a really great nuanced way of describing how your job and your purpose can go hand in hand, but they don't actually have to be the same thing. And for me, my purpose is to help people be better every day. And in order to do that, I supplement it by doing my podcast, by writing, by speaking. But all of those different outlets are parts of my job, whereas my purpose is the underlying thing that connects everything together. Another thing I really enjoy is my weekly newsletter where I write a blog post that is only available in the newsletter. It is the thought of the week. I also include the book that I'm reading and a journal stem and the podcast for the week. If you'd like to join over 2,500 people on this newsletter, go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter and get in on the goods. Speaking of inboxes, let's talk about one of our podcast sponsors, SaneBox. Get control over your email with minimal effort and a program that is super easy to use. How many times have you gotten a plugin or a software program on your computer and it's really hard to figure out how to use? I hate that. And with SaneBox, they make it really easy to figure out. They hold your hand through the process and they send you emails and show you ways to filter your email. You can have folders that have 
it's called say no replies. So basically, if someone hasn't responded to you, you just go to that folder and it shows all the emails that people haven't replied to. And never underestimate the power of a follow up. There's also folders that will, will filter out news, they'll filter out confirmation emails. And then it leaves all the important emails in your inbox. And it, you can train it, you can drag and drop emails into all these different folders. And then it knows next time where to sort it. So having an inbox that doesn't suck the life out of you whenever you open up and feel overwhelmed when you see tons of different emails is really powerful. And I've really been enjoying using SaneBox. Use my link sanebox.com slash Sonia to get a $25 credit applied to your account on top of the 14 day free trial. And that's at sanebox.com. And our other great podcast sponsor is Sproutman. You may have heard the podcast episode I recorded with Doug Evans and his book called The Sprout Book, but sprouts are incredible. And if you want to add in some power-packed, nutrient-dense vegetables into your diet, sprouts are the way to go because they have 20 to 30 times the amount of nutrients of regular vegetables. So instead of eating a bunch of broccoli, you could just eat a little bit of broccoli sprouts. And it's really easy to sprout. I was a bit intimidated to do it because I thought that I, well, let's face it, I kill cactus. I'm not very good with plants. However, I've actually been successfully sprouting mung beans and the salad mix and broccoli sprouts. You can get all these things at sproutman.com slash Sonia. And they have a whole starter kit that you could get so you could see what kind of sprouts you like. And they also have a hemp salad bag that you can use. And all you have to do is soak the bag with the seeds in it for eight hours overnight. And then you just rinse the seeds twice a day for 30 seconds. It's super, super easy. And after just a few days, you have tons of sprouts and you can put them on anything. Sprouting is also a really fun thing to do with kids because it grows so fast. It's like a science project. And even as an adult, it's really fun. So go to sproutman.com slash Sonia, especially use that link if you want to support the show and support our sponsors. All right, let's get into today's awesome episode with Misty. Welcome to the show, Misty. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. And are you in New Zealand? Yes, I am. So in New Zealand, middle of winter here, <laughs> but we're really lucky. It's a, we have very mild winters. So um, this morning it was blue skies and it was a really beautiful day. Which island do you live on? Uh, North Island. So oh, I cool. live like North, North Island. Awesome. Yeah, I've been there for some bike races a few times and I absolutely love New Zealand. Yeah, it is really beautiful, like totally biased, but yeah, it is a really beautiful country. <laughs> so your main coaching things that you love to talk about are purpose and life purpose. And that's a big question that comes up a lot. Even in my groups of friends, people are always saying like, oh, like I've been doing, I think a lot of people in their 30s start thinking about this. Like I've done all these things, but this isn't the right thing anymore. Now I need to find my purpose. How did you start on this journey of trying to find purpose? Mm, absolutely. So right from a young age, I've always had this feeling that there was something that I was meant to do. And I couldn't quite articulate exactly what it was, but I just had that really strong feeling like there's something, there's like something really specific. So when I was younger and first sort of entering a career and, you know, real life, I tried to go down a path of figuring out exactly what my purpose was. And I made the mistake that a lot of people make, which is to follow your passions. And that's um, advice that we hear a lot is that, you know, you should follow your passions, everything will be amazing. 
But what can often happen and what happened to me is that I would go down this path of following something that I was really passionate about, really interested in, but it just didn't quite feel right. Like there was still something missing. And I would inevitably get to a point where I sort of realized, actually, this isn't it. So I would go back to square one and start over again with, you know, oh, I'm really interested in this. Maybe this is what my purpose is and go down that path. So I know that's something really common that a lot of people um, experience or maybe there are people listening now that are in that zone at the moment. So I did this several times over until it got to a point I was in my mid-20s and I thought I, I just need to figure this out. Like I'm going to drive myself mad. I need to figure out what this thing is. Um, you know, I really am motivated. I'm really wanting to do it. I just don't know what it is. So I decided to focus on it, keep it at the forefront of my mind. And I still lived a normal life and had a day job and all of those kind of things. But I went through this process of self-reflection and really trying to uncover um, you know, who I was, what I was interested in, what I wanted to do and what I was meant to do with my time here. And over a period of sort of a few months of really focusing on it, I eventually got to a point where one night I was lying in bed, I was thinking about it before I went to sleep. And it sort of, it was almost like it was spoken, your purpose is to help others find theirs. And it felt really amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. But then a few seconds later, I was like, what on earth does that mean? And like, what am I meant to do with that? Because that doesn't make sense. It's not a thing. And I sort of tried to go back to the drawing board and think, no, I want something really tangible or I want a job or a career or something I could study. But you kind of can't unknow something like that. So after a little while, I sort of decided, well, instead of trying to second guess what I know, what I already know, I'm just going to work out how I can make it a thing and what does it mean and what do I do with it? So that um, sort of led me on this path as to where I am now. I looked back on everything that would have made the process so much easier for me. And, you know, if I had known this back then, how would that have helped or what would have helped me along that journey and along that path? So I broke it down into a process that is really tangible and easy to follow. And that's the process that I take clients that I'm working with or people in the membership. We go through the exact same process over a period of about four weeks and uncover exactly what people are here to do and how they want to make it happen. Can you give some examples? You said your passion isn't necessarily your purpose. Yeah, Can you give some examples of that and explain why? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I feel like that's a message that we hear a lot, you know, in terms of just follow your passion, everything will be great. And when we are searching for purpose, if we don't understand what it is or what it means, we usually will look to a job or an occupation or we'll usually look to a hobby or an interest or something that we're really passionate about. So it might be that I'm really passionate about writing, so maybe I should be a writer. But your purpose is so much bigger than that. Your purpose is sort of like this overarching theme of your life. And perhaps being a writer is how you bring your purpose to life but it's not the purpose itself. This can apply to anything. So it can apply to a job. You know, you think, well, maybe my purpose is to become a teacher or maybe it's to become a doctor or maybe it's to do this. But your purpose is always going to be so much bigger than one particular passion, one particular interest, one particular occupation. 
And I think a big challenge for people whenever they think, okay, maybe I do know what my purpose is, but how do I make money doing that? Because sometimes your purpose isn't like, well, even becoming a coach and teaching people how to find their purpose. There's no like set path or set like job that you can sign up for to make money. So I think a lot of times people get discouraged going after the thing that they are meant to do because they're worried that they can't make any money doing it. Yeah. And I mean, that raises a really good point in that, you know, your purpose is your purpose, regardless of whether it brings you an income. And it doesn't have to bring you an income either. So if you are a person who wants to turn your purpose into a business or wants to align your career with your purpose, then that's amazing. And you can absolutely do that. But you really, you don't have to. So I always want to sort of let people know that, you know, you can still have a day job and bring your purpose to life outside of that. It's going to be something that you can do on a day-to-day basis in, you know, normal daily life without having to make it the forefront of what you do for a living. So again, I really appreciate, and I'm a person that likes to obviously have my purpose as the forefront of what I'm doing, and I've turned it into a business, and a lot of people are that way inclined as well, which is fantastic. But if you're a person who, for whatever reason, needs to have a day job at the moment, so you might have a family, you might have a mortgage, or you know, we all have bills to pay, it might be that you keep separation between income and purpose. And rather than sort of putting that pressure on yourself or on your purpose to financially sustain you, you kind of just look at it as this is just something that I do. This is just something that I am on a daily basis. Yeah. An example that came to mind would be like somebody that's part, do you guys have, yeah, Rotary is an international organization, but Rotary is like, they go do amazing things around the world and raise money and just really help different communities. I'm not a Rotary member, so I can't articulate their vision, but a lot of people will have a day job, but their purpose is the Rotary Club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really beautiful thing of having a day job because it allows you to sort of pursue these outside interests or, yeah, really bring your purpose to life in a way that's low pressure and there's sort of no expectation on it and you're just doing it because you know it's something that you're meant to do. And again, I feel like often people are under pressure to find their purpose and then turn it into something financial. But I always want to reassure people that you don't have to do that. It doesn't have to work that way. Yeah. And it seems like in a lot of the business books and things I've read, it says like, make sure you're doing things for the right reasons. And people that just say, I'm going to do X so I can, and, and I am passionate about X, but I'm really focused on the money part and not as much on the, whatever the, like for, for me, my purpose is helping and teaching people be the best selves they can be. But like, if you're just so focused on the money part, there's nothing wrong with making money at your purpose too. And I think that sometimes people have shame if they're making money doing the thing that they love. But a lot of the things I hear, it says like, focus on your why and the money will come if you want that to become your career instead of the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is an interesting situation, especially with business, because there are obviously a lot of essential businesses that I'm not saying they, there is no why attached, but it often isn't as creative or as sort of world changing or incredibly impactful. Like 
you know, in, in all honesty, there's a lot of incredibly boring businesses out there that are still really necessary and, you know, still need to be done. So it's really interesting uh, talking to people who are kind of running a really big, you know, kind of boring business like that and sort of how they, you know, feel passionate and sort of how they stay really inspired and motivated, especially if it's a topic that, you know, maybe wouldn't fire people up in the same way. But yeah, that's a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah. And something else that's interesting is that sometimes whenever you make your purpose into your business or even your passion, and I know that you mentioned they're separate into your business, that it can actually burn you out. Like, I'm very fortunate that like I'm a professional mountain biker and it was my passion and my one of my purposes and it became the way that I made an income and like a lot of the other things that I'm passionate about end up becoming a way for me to make an income but if you put so much pressure on yourself and you like go all in so much that you burn yourself out you end up getting confused because your purpose may now be something that's not bringing you the same joy that it once was because you went too far down that path. Yeah, absolutely. I see that a lot with people. There's a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but there's a lot of encouragement for people to turn, say, a hobby into a side gig. There's there's a lot of pressure for people to try and monetize their hobbies, which again, if you're that way inclined and you really love business and that works out, that can be amazing. But it does, it puts a lot of pressure on something that you maybe just did for the love of it, you know, maybe something that you just did for fun. But when you have this financial expectation or that financial pressure, it does change it. It really, it creates a different set of expectations. And I end up working with a lot of people who honestly come to kind of resent that thing that they once loved because it's turned into something different. It kind of feels different. And I mean, I guess that's a lesson that we all learn is that you don't, you know, your hobbies can just stay a hobby and sort of even if it's something that you're really good at or even if it's something that you're really passionate about, it can kind of just stay something that you do for fun and, you know, you don't have to turn it into something. But I do, I agree. I think there's a lot of encouragement to do that. And so it's sort of in some ways when you're really good at something, it's almost hard to say I'm just going to leave it as something that I do for fun and I'm not going to take it any further. So how do you know when to actually turn your hobby or your passion into your purpose and make it your business? Like, how do you know when is the right time to do that? Uh, Well, that's a really good question. And in all honesty, it depends on how you want your life to look and how you want to live. So the process that I take people through in um, in uncovering exactly what their purpose is and how they're going to bring it to life, we start with who they are and what they want. So we kind of start with what is their personality and their strengths and their weaknesses? What does that look like? What makes them tick? What motivates them? And then we look at what are their themes, which is their interests and passions. So these can be tangible themes like mountain biking, or they can be intangible themes like your purpose or sort of an intangible theme of, you know, a love of learning or something like that. We look at values and also how people want to feel in day-to-day life. And so based on that, we would then uncover exactly what their purpose is and make sure that they're bringing it to life in a way that really suits 
their lifestyle, how they want to live, their skill set, and also who they are as a person. So again, I think that there's often a lot of pressure on people to um, start a business or, or work for themselves. That's, you know, the whole laptop lifestyle is really kind of touted as the as the end goal. And again, if you're that way inclined, that's perfect. But if you don't have an innate passion for running a business, then that doesn't necessarily have to be a path that you go down. So if it is, and you're at the point that you kind of think, yeah, this is what I want to do, then you would need to get really logical and make sure that you're really stepping into that business mindset of like, what is it that I'm offering and who am I offering it to? And what will that look like? And how do I build that? So it's it's a funny balance when you turn your purpose into a business because it starts off very intuitive and very intangible and a very high level concept of your purpose. But then if you're creating a business, you have to get really logical and rational and tangible and really kind of have a clear mindset about what that looks like and narrow down your focus a lot more. It's hard for some people to know what they want. Like you mentioned, you'll ask people what they want. And it's really hard to actually articulate that sometimes, especially when people feel stuck in their lives and they're like, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what to do next. So for people that aren't exactly sure what they want, how do you help tease that out for them? One of my favorite exercises, and it's probably one that you're familiar with. I'm sure we one um, that people listening are familiar with, but is the ideal day exercise. So super simple, super fun. You imagine that it's a year or five years or 10 years into the future and you write down in great detail what a normal average ideal day looks like for you. So you wake up in the morning and what do you do? What does your morning look like? Um, you know, what do you eat for breakfast? Who are you with? How do you spend your morning? What do you do in the middle part of the day? What do you eat for lunch? How do you spend your afternoon and your evening? And so you can write like a really decent page in as much detail as you possibly can. And I love that exercise because often people realize that what they want out of life and how they want to live is so simple. Like, you know, when people do this exercise, no matter what walk of life they're from, the things that they write down are just the most simple, beautiful things. Like they want to have a really sort of mindful morning. So usually people would say, I'd like to wake up and I want to meditate for a little while, or I want to go for a walk, or I kind of just want to have a morning without an alarm clock and just have a long breakfast with my family. And then they usually want to work on something that they feel really inspired by or they feel really motivated by. So whether it's a particular cause or a, or a business or a career that they feel really inspired by. And then same thing in the afternoon, you know, they describe things like going for a walk or playing with my kids or just sitting with my partner. And it's just the most beautiful, simple life that people describe. And it's such a powerful exercise because it really shows people it highlights to people that this is actually what I want in life. You know, often we get really caught up in thinking we want to live this really extravagant lifestyle, this really incredibly exciting day-to-day -day life. But realistically, when it comes down to it, most of us happy with the very kind of simple and beautiful and 
inspiring kind of lifestyle. So I really, I love that exercise um, just to highlight to people like, this is actually what I want. This is how I want life to look. And then we can kind of pull it apart and start to think about what of that ideal day can we bring into life now? So for example, if part of your ideal day means that you, you know, wake up when the sun comes up and have a cup of tea and watch the sunrise. I mean, you don't have to wait 10 years to do that. You know, that's something that you can incorporate into your lifestyle now. Or if part of your ideal day is that you want to be working on this really thriving business that is to help people with something you're really passionate about or really aligned with your purpose or or a career aligned with a cause that you feel I'm really inspired by, then you can sort of pull that apart and think, okay, great, this is the goal that I want to work toward. That's what I want to create over the next year or five years or 10 years or however long that's going to take for you. And you can start thinking about what do I need to do now and next week and the week after to really make that happen and start moving toward that. So for anyone who just is feeling like I have no idea what I want out of life, I have no idea. Um, you know, where I want to be. That's an exercise that I would suggest that they start with. Yeah. And it sounds to me that doing that takes away the focus on achievement or stuff because your ideal day isn't really about a long-term goal necessarily that it's it's not saying I want to be like number one at this. It's saying this is what I would do on a day-to-day basis to feel fulfilled. And those are two completely separate things. And it's so easy to get so focused on the end goal or like putting our happiness on the horizon of, well, I'll be happy when I achieve X or when I get X instead of saying today in the present, this is what I want to feel good in my life. And those, it's really easy to forget that those are two separate things. Yeah, that is such a good point. It's such a good point. And I mean, yes, it's so common to go through life thinking like, okay, once this happens, then I'll feel this you know, yeah, once I get this role, then I will be happy or then I will feel successful or then I will feel however. But it just, you know, if if you've gone through that process before, you will know that achieving that goal doesn't automatically make you feel how you think you're going to feel, you know, and feeling how you want to feel in terms of feeling happy or feeling successful is something that you have to create, you have to cultivate yourself, you have to, that has to come from within. There's nothing external that is going to ever be long-lasting enough to give you that feeling for a long period of time because there's always going to be, you know, if you sort of want to be number one in the world at something and then I'll feel successful, you're only, you're only ever going to be number one in the world for a short amount of time. You know, there's always someone else that's going to come through and sort of push whatever you've done a little bit further. So, yeah, it's really important that those feelings that, you know, you're chasing or you're, or you're wanting to experience on a daily basis, it's so important to make sure that they're coming from you, that you are able to cultivate them within yourself. And what's another, like, keep going uh, with the uh, steps in this process. So the first step was, what does your ideal day look like? Looking at all those different things, but that still doesn't really tell you what your purpose is. What's the next step there? Yeah. So getting back to purpose. So once we've gone through the process of uncovering your personality and how you like to think, how you like to feel, what your values are, what motivates you, those interests, then we can get into uncovering exactly what your purpose is. And often it's going to be something that you've been drawn to 
throughout your life. If you're a person that really lets yourself be drawn by your intuition, it's likely that you're pretty close to it or you've circled around it. It's going to be something that you feel really compelled to do or teach or share or inspire or make. And it's usually going to uh, be something to do with other people or other living beings or the environment, which totally makes sense because if you take away everything material in life, you know, what do we have left? We have each other, we have other living beings, we have the environment. So it makes sense that our purpose is going to be for one of those things. So for most people, it's usually centered on others. And again, it's something that we want to inspire in people or share with people or teach people or help people do or become or whatever it is. So it's going to be something that sounds a little bit vague, uh, which is fine. It's meant to be very sort of big and, and vague. There isn't going to be a clear way of how you can bring it to life, which is perfect. Because once you get to the stage of, you know, how do I bring this to life? You will have so many different options and how you bring it to life. That's where you bring in your passions and your interests and your skill set and your experience. And you, you can start to think, well, how do I want to live? What is a way or what are all the different ways that I can bring my purpose to life that fits in with what I'm really interested in and what I'm really passionate about and and what I've done before, and if I have skills in this area, like how can I utilize them for my purpose? So the way that you bring your purpose to life can change over the years, but the purpose itself won't. It will stay that really, that big um, sort of overarching theme that you are continuously moving toward. Yeah. And so you mentioned motivators and looking for what motivates people, but a lot of times motivation becomes a roadblock. Like say somebody says, I want to write a book or I want to train for a marathon, but they can't motivate themselves to actually do the work to get towards that thing that is going to make them feel or that they think is going to make them feel fulfilled. So how do you deal with that roadblock of motivation? Yeah, I mean, that's such a big topic. It's like one of the biggest challenges that I help clients with is that when we are coaching, say, on a one-on-one -on -one basis or we're got a very sort of intense relationship for a period of, you know, six to eight weeks, and we make a lot of progress, that is fantastic. But then it's always the, you know, six months after our coaching finishes and sort of are they staying on track? Is Has that motivation kept up? Are they still feeling really inspired? Are the habits there? Or have they sort of fallen back into the old habits that they have? So, yeah, it's, it's an issue or a challenge or a block that so many people experience. And it often comes down to your personality. Like I always encourage people to work out what really motivates and drives them. So, for example... I personally, I'm really motivated by sharing goals with other people. So if I sort of announce a goal to, you know, announce it publicly or say, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm working on, that's incredibly motivating for me. I feel incredibly accountable. So it's sort of like that, the fact that I've said it publicly means that I'm going to follow through with what I said I would do. And so for other people, it might be, having that one-on-one -on -one relationship with a coach and it's that same kind of accountability but it's a little bit more direct because you're you know you're meeting with someone once a week or whatever it is who's saying 
you know, tell me what you've done this week or tell me what you're working on. And that can be incredibly motivating and inspiring for people to do. It might be uh, teaming up with a friend. Other people really find um, tracking habits really useful. So there's so many different things that you can do. And yeah, it's just a matter of trying out those different things, seeing what works for you. And then once you've found something that works, really make sure that you leverage it and really make sure that you sort of use it to your advantage and keep yourself accountable in whatever way suits you. And one of the things that you talk about is having a deep spiritual connection and how purpose is tied to spirituality. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. So for people who are spiritually inclined, that's a part of uncovering your purpose and bringing it to life that we can really dive into and looking at it more from like a soul perspective. And it's often your purpose is something that you are here to do for a spiritual reason. Like it's a real kind of spiritual calling. But at the same time, if people aren't spiritually inclined, I'm happy to keep it more logical and sort of more as in it, you know, in this life, what, how are you going to impact the world and what are you here to do? But Again, if people are spiritually inclined, I really love to bring in intuition and help them develop that to uncover what their purpose is or as they're bringing their purpose to life. It's sort of like, how can we really lean on your intuition to make sure that you're you're heading in the right direction and on the right path and we can sort of bring in that level of, I guess, manifesting and support in terms of bringing your purpose to life. I'm kind of circling back now to the career and your purpose. And you said that, and I, and I agree that your purpose and your job don't have to be the same thing. But I've noticed that sometimes people feel this sense of dissatisfaction with their job, even if they found their purpose and those things are out of alignment and it makes them feel kind of trapped. So what advice do you have for people that are in that situation? Yeah, so in that situation, I would suggest that people get um, firstly ultra clear on what their purpose is. So that would be the first step. The next step would be to sit down and have a think about all of their strengths and skills and qualifications that they have, all the skills that they've picked up in their existing career and outside of that, and then start to think about in an ideal world, what would I be doing on a daily basis in my career that is aligned to my purpose? Like what are the different ways that I could align my purpose to my career? So kind of brainstorming different ways that that could happen and then essentially making a plan to start moving toward that. So as an example, a woman that I worked with recently had a really beautiful and very simple purpose of bringing joy to people. So she was such a lovely person. And that's obviously something that you can just do on a you know normal day-to-day basis. It's just you can bring joy to people and all the different interactions that you have. But she wanted to align her career with that. So one of the things that she was really passionate about was she was like learning how to write code and program and develop. So She wanted to work as a programmer with a company whose products or services really brought joy to people. And for her, aligning herself with a company like that, using the passions and the skills that she had in terms of development, was perfect. So it was meaning that she was absolutely living her purpose 
and kind of in a somewhat indirect way. Like it didn't necessarily have to be that every little thing she did was, you know, this has brought joy to somebody directly. She was really happy with it being in that more indirect way. So for people who are more career minded, that can be something that you can do. And again, if you have a background in a very traditional industry like HR or accounting or law, you can still use those skills and use that background that you have, but potentially align with an industry or a company who is much more aligned to your purpose. And you still feel like you're very much on purpose that way. So you're still, you still might be kind of keeping the role that, you know, pays well potentially or um, keeping the role that you've trained for, but you've got that really deep connection with purpose in terms of who you are actually working with and who you're aligned with. It sounds like to do this sort of self-work, it requires you to be honest with yourself. And it also requires confidence in order to say what your strengths are. And there's people out there that have a really hard time being honest with themselves. And there's also people out there that are not confident enough or they've lost their confidence to say, this is actually what I'm good at. So in those situations, how can people help themselves, I guess, be more honest, more clear, because it, it's not it's not always easy to be honest with yourself. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not always easy and it can be hard. I know that a lot of people, often especially women, find it hard to say, this is what I'm really good at. And so sometimes it's a little bit of reassuring people that, you know, it, it's okay to say what you're good at and it's okay to you know, just, just own those skills. I think for, especially in New Zealand, we have a very humble attitude and you, you know, you should never sing your own praises. You should never toot your own horn. You should always be very humble and very downplay what you do and what you can do. And if someone gives you a compliment, you would always like, you know, brush it off and and downplay it. And so that's a real New Zealand culture that we have. So I absolutely see that a lot in um, people that I work with that are based here. And again, you're right, it's a, it's a bit of that um, building up confidence, being honest. Conversely, if you're looking at your weaknesses, not taking them too personally, which I know can sound a little bit strange if they're your own weaknesses, but um, just kind of having a little bit of understanding that no one is perfect. There's going to be things that you do really well. There's going to be things that you're not so great at, and that's totally fine. It's just a matter of understanding where you sit, what your skills are, and how you can utilize those, how you can improve in the areas that you want to improve, or just kind of, you know what, I'm really not great at this, so I'm not going to put myself in a position where that's going to come up a lot, or I'm going to make sure that I'm always sort of accounting for this weakness that I have. And I mean, that's something that, you know, you absolutely need to do in business. For example, you're always making sure that you, your weaknesses are accounted for in terms of outsourcing or getting that additional support. So there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, Hey, I'm really good at this. Or if I'm being honest, I'm not really great at that, but that's okay. It's just sort of navigating that however it looks. Yeah. And then there's the other side of things where people are thinking about their purpose or their dreams or the things that get them really excited. And sometimes they're afraid to say them out loud because maybe somebody's told them that their dream is stupid 
or maybe mm-hmm. they've tried before and they failed at their dream. And it's it's too scary to even say out loud because they feel like dumb or they feel like it's just too far out there for them. And I think that that's really important to be able to put yourself around people, surround yourself with people who are going to support your dreams and the things that you want to do and not make you feel stupid. And the power of having people around you that believe in you really truly help you become better and they help you feel confident enough to go after those things. So how do you help people who are afraid of vocalizing what what those dreams are? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with making sure that you're around people who are really supportive, who are really like-minded and doing similar things. So if you can do that in real life, perfect. If you don't quite have access to a group of people like that, then finding a group online is also great. So we have a like we have a membership where people are all working toward their purpose and bringing it to life. So for whatever whatever it is you're working on, there's always going to be a group of people who you can tap into online and really get that support. And then in regards to feeling that fear about voicing your purpose or sort of saying, this is what I want to do or this is how I want to live, that is really scary. And I guess it's important to be conscious of the fact that Not everyone is going to get what you do. Not everyone is going to understand why you want to do it. Not everyone is going to agree with it or necessarily be supportive of it. And the culprit, the very um, common culprit of that is usually extended family members. That's kind of the most common conversation that I have with people that they're sort of like, you know, whether it's a parent or an aunt or a cousin that they kind of like, I just shrink when I'm around them because I know that what they think you know I know that their idea of what I'm doing is like ridiculous I know that they think it's really stupid I know that they don't get it and everybody experiences that like there's you know it's just yeah we all have that and it's just a combination of you know often different generations or just different ideas about how people should live and what they do but that's always going to be a huge learning experience and you're going to get a huge amount of personal growth moving through that because it takes a little bit of uh, setting boundaries and sometimes it's not even a boundary that needs to be voiced but it's more of an emotional boundary of you know I'm not going to take that on board I'm not going to let it um, kind of get to me it's also Uh, letting go of the idea of what people think of you and sort of just almost having an expectation that, you know, this person in my life isn't this way inclined at all. They don't understand this industry or what I'm doing. They aren't interested in it. They're not the ideal audience that I would ever be working with. They're just not going to get it. And hopefully they would still be supportive anyway. But that's not always the case. And so if you can kind of just understand that in your own mind and kind of almost have that expectation of like, well, that's just the situation that this is and it's fine. Like I'm going to do it anyway. They're going to think that anyway, but that's okay. Like I don't need to prove myself to them. I don't need to sort of justify it. You know, we don't even need to talk about it kind of thing. We can talk about other things. But yeah, that's such a common situation especially for people who are working in 
like an intuitive space or a spiritual space or a um, coaching space, like the very kind of soft skills. You know, you tend to have those more older or more sort of conservative or mainstream people in your life will look at that, those kind of soft industries and be like, that's just ridiculous. Like what's going on, you know? But yeah, that's, I mean, everyone's different. Yeah, I've definitely been there. Like when I wanted to become a pro mountain biker, I have my master's in electrical engineering and everyone's like, well, why aren't you going to be an engineer? And I said, I don't want to be an engineer. This is what I want to do. And it'd be like, that's stupid. That's just a hobby. Or like, why don't you get a real job? And and that's happened throughout my entire family because all of them are very like logical, practical people. And I've never had that type of support. So I'm an example of, yeah, of course, I wish that they approved and had that support and had that deep down belief. But I surrounded myself with people. I even moved somewhere where I could be around other people who were interested in living their life the same way that I did and where it was okay to dream big and to go for the thing that you really wanted to do and that you don't need the approval of your parents. And I mean, you still always kind of want it, but you're probably never going to get it. And even after you've achieved a certain level of success, they may say like, oh, great job, but they'll still think to themselves, well, when are they going to get a real job? So really yeah. like not letting those voices stop you from what you want to do. But it's hard because those voices will always be in your head. Those naysayers, those doubters, they're always going to be there. So learning how to have grit and resilience against those voices is, is super, super important. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of introspection and a lot of time just voicing to yourself what's important to you. Yeah, that's so true. And it is hard when that comes from people whose opinion you really value. So, you know, when it comes from your parents or your family and it's sort of like, I love this person, I do, I value what they say. And then if what they're saying is, yeah, really causing a lot of self-doubt or a lot of issues, it, it's really hard to navigate. But uh, as you said, you you do need to work through that and kind of get to a point where it's like, well, this is what I want my life to look like. And I mean, often, although it doesn't always feel like it, sometimes it's just good to remind ourselves that they are trying to come from a place of love. Like they're trying to come from a place of like, I want you to be happy. I want you to be successful. In my experience of life, this is how you would be happy and successful. So like just do it already kind of thing. But you... So it kind of takes a bit of understanding where they're coming from and understanding why they're coming from that place. But also, you know, yeah, just being able to say, well, this is the experience of life that I want to have. Like, this is how I want to live. This is what I want to do. And just being able to kind of stand up to it in a way or just being able to do whatever it is you want to do, regardless of those voices that are coming at you. So I have a three-month-old son, and adding the word mom into a bunch of the things that I'm already doing has been really <laughs> awesome. And I know you're a mom as well. How has be yeah. how has becoming a mom changed your purpose? And maybe it hasn't, but ha like, how has that affected you? Yeah, that's that's a good question as well because I do work with a lot of moms who, when they're going through the work of uncovering what their purpose is. Like there's a period of guilt attached to that because that's sort of like, well, if I'm a mom, why aren't I feeling fulfilled? Or I shouldn't be looking for a purpose outside of my kids. And I always want to reassure people that your 
purpose was your purpose before you had children. And it will be your purpose long after they've grown and left home. And, you know, your kids have their own purpose as well. So it's it's totally fine. It's totally normal to have a purpose that isn't attached to your kids. It's really unlikely to be attached to your kids. It doesn't mean that you love them any less. It doesn't mean that you love being a mum any less. It's just that that is what you personally are here to do in life and they will have their own purpose as well. But in terms of how becoming a mum has changed how I bring it to life, I mean, it's, and I guess you you will be experiencing this as well. It's sort of, it changes how you live on a daily basis. And again, it looks different for everyone, whether people are choosing to stay at home for a long period of time or whether people are choosing to go back to work or whether people are doing the mad juggle of like different, like a business and trying to be a full-time mom and, and sort of juggling lots of different things there. So it's really interesting. I guess, For me, I've always been conscious of wanting my son to see me going after my dreams. I I want him to see me creating things or building things or sort of stepping outside of my comfort zone because I really want to inspire that in him as well. So I, I guess for me, I kind of use motherhood as a bit of inspiration and a bit of encouragement in those moments that I kind of feel like, I don't know if this is something that I should do, or this is such a big thing. Should I commit to it or not? And I kind of think, how do I want to show up to him? And sort of what do I want him to see and um, to, you know, grow up with as being normal? So that's something that personally sort of, yeah, drives me a lot. Awesome. Well, where can people find you if they want to learn more? MistySansom.com. So I have everything on my website, and I have an ebook that takes people through the exact process of finding your purpose and bringing it to life. And last year, I shifted it from a paid product to pay what you can. So I'm really passionate about that. I want people to be able to go through that process without any barriers of cost or especially in this current climate. Um, I I sort of don't want that to be a hindrance for anybody. I don't want um, sort of the price to be a hindrance for anyone uncovering exactly what their purpose is so yeah just yeah jump on the website grab the ebook pay what you can and uh, go from there and my last question is what's your favorite journal prompt oh my favorite journal prompt is it would probably be tied up in the ideal day exercise so I guess my favorite journal prompt would be something along the lines of how do I want life to look in a year's time that's that's a prompt that I go through myself a lot Yeah, the ideal day question has changed since having a baby, and I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's exactly it. When you have you when you have kids, you kind of factor in where you will be in life at at that point. So, you know, if I think a year ahead, then I've got my son at school, or if I think ten years ahead, it's like, well, I've got a teenager. You know, so yeah, that that definitely impacts. Um, sort of what that looks like. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Make sure to check out Misty's website. And she has a bunch of free downloads on there as well that are pretty useful. And I also want to say thanks to our podcast sponsors, Sproutman and SaneBox. You guys are both helping me make my life better. And if you guys try it out, I hope that you enjoy both products. Thanks again for listening to the show. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and share the show with your friends. 
We also really appreciate reviews. So thank you to those of you who have sent those. I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day.